This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. I know things didn't work out like you wished it did, Steelers Nation, for your Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday. But there was a lot of great NFL action around the league in Week 2. So Jacob Recht and myself, Tom Offerman, are going to dive into that action here on this episode of the Steelers Standard. Uh, Let's start in the AFC North, uh, the other three teams that are all tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers now after two weeks of NFL action. And let's start with the game of the week. Last night in the Chiefs and the Ravens. Uh, Ravens finally getting a win over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. The first win of Lamar Jackson's career over Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only his first win against Kansas City, maybe his most impressive win of his career so far. He was phenomenal. Did throw two interceptions, but two touchdowns, over 100 yards on the ground, and he had over 200 yards passing and a touchdown through the air as well, and including a big play late in the game where it was fourth and one, and they were in their own territory. I believe they were on their 40-yard line. Sound familiar, Steelers fans? And John Harbaugh calls out to Lamar Jackson. You can see this video all over Twitter. It's everywhere. And says, Lamar, Lamar, you want to go for this? And you don't see Lamar's response, but you see Harbaugh shake his head yes and put his headset down, obviously indicating that Lamar said, hell yeah, I want to go for this. Put the ball in their best player's hands with the game on the line, and he got two yards when they only needed one, sealing the deal for the Baltimore Ravens. And the best way to make sure that Patrick Mahomes can't do Patrick Mahomes things and get in the field goal range with just a minute left and kick a game-winning field goal to send you packing is by not giving him the ball at all, and that's exactly what the Ravens did. Really, really impressive win from Baltimore. Uh, big bounce back after losing to Vegas on the road in week one in that overtime game uh, to go – to to welcome Kansas City into your house on a short week and beat them in such dramatic fashion. When you were down in that game, for the most part, and had to mount a comeback effort late to win, I mean, just a great, great job. They shut the Chiefs' offense out in the fourth quarter, and that's something that's really hard to do. I, I, I took this same pause in our, in our previous episode when talking about the defense and the injuries. We're going to do the same thing here. To see the Steelers have a similar game scenario of which they need to convert a fourth and one in order to make an effort to come back and win the game. Baltimore's offense was a little different. They had the lead. They didn't want to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes with just over a minute to go, which is, in Patrick Mahomes' case, more than enough time to go down the field. I would say what the Ravens did was more of a risk than what the Steelers did. Probably because, because then you, you give the ball up and then he needs to run the ball ten yards and he's in field goal range. Right. Game's over because it was only a, it was only a, what a one point game or a yeah, two point game one by point. one. So yeah, I mean, even more of credit to Baltimore and even less credit to give to Pittsburgh the fact that they took that big of a risk and what a play. I mean, what what gusto that they did it with. I mean, as soon as he was making that charge, you knew he was getting that first down. It was it was a great ending to what was a great game. Unfortunately for Chiefs fans, they're going to be kicking themselves over Clyde Edwards Hilaire's fumble. That's what everyone's pointing to. What what's going to cost them in this game? I mean, if he doesn't fumble that ball, honestly, I don't know why the ball was in Clyde Edwards Hilaire's hands. It, it's at that point when the game is that close and you're down, the ball should not be in anyone's hands except for Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill. I mean. We saw what happened with a Travis Kelsey touchdown. Everyone was using the same word to describe him after that play, cheat code. 
That guy did not go down. So I don't know when you have someone like Travis Kelsey available to you, when you have someone like Tyreek Hill available to you, you're giving the ball to you're giving the ball to Clyde Edwards Alaire. That was a big mistake, I think, on Andy Reid's part. But I don't need to be too critical on them. I'm gonna give credit where credit is properly due, and that's to Baltimore, that's to John Harbaugh, that's to Lamar Jackson, who as you said, got his first win over Patrick Mahomes in his career and four and four tries. And I really believe this is his best win of his young career. I like the fact that he got the win over Mahomes just from a fan's perspective, an NFL fan's perspective, because this is not Brady Manning at all. But you kind of need that matchup to come to fruition. You know, like you need that big time quarterback versus quarterback heavyweights. Mm -hmm. These guys play almost every year, a lot of the times in the playoffs. That's good for the league, and I think the front runner for that next, you know, Manning Brady esque heavyweight matchup is Lamar versus Mahomes. You don't think it's Mahomes versus Allen? Uh, jury's still out. I think Lamar is better than Allen. Uh, I don't know. Wow. It's so hard. Oh, wow. This is the NFL, though, Jacob. Opinions change like crazy because what a freaking performance Lamar put on. Josh Allen was electric I against see, the I mean, Dolphins we're all going to be watching when it's Mahomes and Allen later this year. There's been more matchups between Lamar and. Uh, Mahomes that have been in the national spotlight right. that I good think point. make it more of a prominent matchup. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks that are young that are going to create these big rivalries. Yeah, though, the league is forward. in good hands. It really is. Uh, but it, it, it is also big that Allen still has not beaten Mahomes. Lamar Jackson has. So you, you, you need those two sides to the rivalry. You can't get a Mahomes versus Jackson, Brady Manning thing off the ground if it's just Mahomes wins every time. So big, big for Lamar to finally get that. He just keeps getting the, that chip off his shoulder every year. You know, mm. oh, this guy can't win uh, a, playoff, a game. playoff game. Well, he did it last year on the road, mind you. Oh, this guy, Mahomes has his number. The Chiefs are just that bogey team. They can't beat them. Well, he beat them last night at home. So you see improvement from Lamar. Every single year, despite what some haters and detractors will try to tell you, which are just absolutely ridiculous. But, yeah, I think this Lamar-Mahomes, it's great for football. I think it's a great matchup between these two teams. And I was wavering on the Ravens a little bit after week one and that loss to the Raiders. Well, boy, do I have egg on my face because the Raiders came into my town and kicked my team's ass the next week, and then the Ravens got the biggest win of the week two schedule with their Sunday night victory against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, I was saying Ravens probably fall back to that number three spot and the Steelers have passed them. Now I'm just not so sure. I think that the Ravens are, are going to be a real, real tough out in that AFC North race. I think they are going to be two. It's now a th what is it? A four-way four tie. Four-way tie. They're the only division where everybody's one and one. Steelers probably would have felt a lot better if they had taken care of business against the Raiders to be the Steelers and, and the Bengals too should be kicking themselves. Right, they the couldn't score more than twenty win. points and beat the Bears to go to two and zero. And that Very was Bengals esque. You you, it's weird because they. I want to say Chicago lost their starter. I'm using air quotes here because it's Andy Dalton. But Justin Fields comes in has a horrible game. Just does not play the way you expect Justin Fields to play. Still does enough to get the win. I think at one point he was like 5 of 12 with an interception. Lucky for him, Joe Burrow played a pretty bad game, too. He had right. three interceptions at one point. The scary thing about Joe Burrow, though, is he had those three interceptions and kind of sleptwalked his way through three quarters. Then he exploded late in the game. He had two touchdowns, mm -hmm. one to T. Higgins, one to 
uh, Jamar Chase, and all of a sudden they're down by three with a chance to tie the football game. And it didn't end up that way. The Bears did a good job of closing things out. But, you know, that's that's the scary thing you got with Joe Burrow coming into town next week is, hey, yeah, he threw those three interceptions and played poorly for the majority of that game, but he is a very good, skilled quarterback that can drop 14 points on you like nothing. And that's exactly what he did to bring the Bengals back into that football game. So did the Bengals shoot themselves in the foot with too many turnovers early? Yes. But that's what a young team on the road mm-hmm. tends to do, and I still see them as a much more competitive entity uh-huh. this year than I did before the season even started. And right now, Joe Mixon is having a, a I wouldn't say a career resurgence year because it's only game two, and it's, I don't know if his career fell off, but he's second in the league right now in terms of rushing yards on the season, I think only behind Derrick Henry. So you you couple that with, a, a, I'm sure what, is going to be a for sure will be in Jamar Chase for Joe Burrow. But you complement that with a capable running back in Joe Mixon, that offense could be scary. And the Steelers have to go up against it. Link, thankfully, it's in Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh hasn't lost in Cincinnati at home in God knows how long. And I can't even imagine. When was the last time they lost back to back games at home? I think it actually was more recently than I'm remembering. But back-to-back games at home? I'm not Steelers. even talking about that. I'm just talking about back-to-back games against the Bengals or just a home game against the Bengals. All of the above, though. Right. I mean, All of them are rare. So I think it's – I think especially after that that loss against the Raiders, the Steelers are capable of putting on the flash or saying, can't lose two in a row here. Especially Cincy. Yeah. Especially at home and against Cincinnati. All and of the above. your first division game. Right. you got to get out to a good start in the division. Exactly. Especially when everybody's equal at this point right now. But Cincinnati, I mean, you were the one saying it, Tom. You picked them in your triple take saying you were taking the points. It was two and a half. And yeah. you thought you thought not only were they covered, they, you thought they could win that game. I thought and they'd they, win. They came pretty close. It's just, it's a young team. Chicago's a stout defensively led team yeah if burrow doesn't turn the ball over as much they probably do win the game and cincinnati is leading the afc north at 2-0 that's not happening but tom you said you said to yourself last week you could see the bears or you could see the bengals starting 2-0 it almost happened but not quite no not quite and again that's part of the growing pains of a young team just trying to learn how to win in the nfl you get a big win against the vikings at home your home crowd's feeling it. You're 1-0. Great start to the season at Paul Brown Stadium. Then that letdown comes on the road next week in a hostile environment in Chicago. Last AFC North team we'll get to before looking around some other NFL action, those Cleveland Brownies. They get to 1-1 one one with a win over the Houston Texans. Uh, Houston put up more of a dogfight than a lot of people expected them to. For a lot longer, yeah, too. They were hanging the in this game. game. And then even when the Browns put them away and it was 24-14 entering into the fourth quarter, Brandon Cooks caught a touchdown pass from backup quarterback Davis Mills, replacing the injured Tyrod Taylor to go to 24-21. to So the Browns needed another touchdown to ice it. They did get it from Nick Chubb to win by 10 points. Did not cover the spread, though. The Houston Texans covered the spread. But this is a game that two years ago the Browns lose. Now that they have had that playoff experience under their belt, Baker's won a playoff game, and they have expectations this year and a really good roster around him, that's exactly what really good teams do. They struggle, but they end up winning by double digits in the end anyway. So was not a perfect game for the Cleveland Browns. They still win by two scores against a team that 
isn't great, but I think a little bit better than people might have expected from the Houston Texans this year. Uh, obviously, Tyrod Taylor going down hurt their chances. Davis Mills having to come in in relief. But, you know, this again, this is what teams that are expected to make the playoffs, expected to win their division do. They have poor games that they still end up winning by a decent amount. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, the Cleveland Browns would have Cleveland Browns themselves into a loss yesterday yes. if this was the, the Browns in the pre-Baker Mayfield slash Kevin Stefanski era. That's no longer the case. Still, though, I bet you there's going to be conversations this week in Cleveland about what what are we doing? Right, because like, they don't know how to win. Close. Right, exactly. But and like, but that, just, that should not have been as it close. It shouldn't have been, but you also have to realize – and. You know, the Steelers fans and Steelers media and anybody who covers this team and knows about the league can tell you, I mean, this ain't college football. Just because the Houston Texans are coming in there, that doesn't mean that they're nickel state. You know what I mean? Like, they're still a really good football team with a lot of really good players on it. And any given Sunday, to steal that cliche, anything can happen. And if you're a smart football fan in Cleveland, I would get on that radio this morning and I would say, Listen, Browns fans, I know you want to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you want to win 48 to 25 or whatever, but a win is a win is a win. After so many years of, I mean, there was a freaking year where we didn't win a single game. You're going to bitch about winning by 10 points at home? Like, you have to understand in the NFL that just because you're playing a team that Vegas and the public perceives as much lesser than you, it could still be a very close game. And all that matters is that you pull those wins out at the end. You can't afford the bad losses. And the Browns were able to sidestep a bad loss in this one. There will be other games this year against lesser opponents that the Browns will be holding their breath on. It's those good teams, those playoff teams that always win those games, though, in the end. And so far, Browns are off to a good start in that category. Yeah, I mean, let's look at their two wins. They go on the road week one against Kansas City, and they— Most impressive loss of the week. Yeah. No um, doubt. I'd say number one, Kansas City. Number, number two, two Dallas. Or number one—sorry, number one— um, Cleveland, number two, Cleveland. Dallas. No, I would say Buffalo. Most impressive loss in yeah. week one? The Bills. Really? Losing to the Steelers? Be an upset like that? I would say the Cowboys were the most impressive loss. Maybe. Going losing to two in so, Tampa Bay. You're going the ring ceremony and everything, the flat, uh, the banner-raising ceremony, whatever. I would say the Bills had a bit of a disappointing loss week one. That's fair. You should have won that game if you're Maybe Buffalo. if Pittsburgh loses that game. Close. It's it's, it's impressive for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yes, that's fair. So, anyways, Kansas City or Cleveland by far are the most impressive loss, but you can't blame them for losing. That's a tough game to win. I mean, yes, Baltimore just beat Kansas City, but it was in Baltimore after suffering a loss themselves. So they're kind of putting on the flares there, or or the warning signs that we can't fall to zero and two. Um, and then they go on. They go on to week two. The Browns do, and they take care of business against Houston. They don't fumble the ball away, kind of like they did against Kansas City. If Cleveland wins that game in Kansas City, they don't give up that lead. They don't allow that seventy-five yard, uh, one play touchdown drive uh, from Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, and they win that game. That is validation out the wazoo. I mean, we were just talking about how validated Lamar Jackson is now, but for Cleveland to have done that on the road against Kansas City. That is that is as good of a win as you'll ever see out of that team. Even better than the win you saw last night for Baltimore against Kansas City. But they keep in it. They, they don't win it, but then they go into week two and they take care of business against Houston. This is a team who's on the right track. 
There are seven teams out to 2-0 and starts in the NFL through two weeks of the season. Uh, no threat of another team adding to that tonight between the Packers and the Lions as both teams look for their first wins of the season. But let's do a little most impressive 2-0 and and least impressive 2-0. and And the most impressive 2-0 and to me is the most obvious answer, but sometimes they're the right answers. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just look like world beaters again. I know they were in a close one against the Cowboys in week one. Uh, Brady able to get them in position to win that game late, as he so often does. And then Brady just destroying the Falcons yesterday. He hates that team for Not, not just Brady, the defense, specifically Mike Edwards. At one point, it was only a three-point game. Into the fourth quarter. And then within a couple of minutes, it's... All of a sudden, it's 48-25. Brady threw for five touchdown passes in that game. He threw for four touchdown passes in week one. He has now thrown, going back to last season, four sh- touchdown passes in four straight regular season Jeez. games, one shy of the record set by his old rival, Peyton Manning, who had f- at least four touchdown passes in five straight regular season games. So Tom Brady will try to break that record next week, but the work will be cut out for him as he goes to L.A. to face off against the L.A. Rams. What a phenomenal Week 3 matchup that is between who I think is probably the second most impressive 2-0 team, the Rams and the Buccaneers. Yeah, I think the Rams got a little lucky because the Colts were keeping things interesting yesterday, and it took an injury to Carson Wentz. Uh, I don't even know who the backup quarterback Jacob was. Eason. Was it Easton out of Washington? So, second-year guy. Uh, c- certainly unproven. I mean, has had real no NFL experience up until this point. Um, and then goes out and throws that interception to, to ice the game for the Rams. So I think the I think the Rams had a very impressive week one win. I think they got a, away with a little bit here in week two because the Colts were coming back in that game. The Colts kept things interesting. And I think if Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt, there's a chance that the Colts can go down the field and win that game on that drive. Like I said, the Jacob, good teams. Good teams pull it they out. They pull good out those pull victories. Out. Right. Uh, least impressed. Would you say what Tampa Bay or LA is your most impressive two and O team? Uh, probably Tampa because just go chalk with that one, just because it's just a they beat the way they beat Dallas to come back. They won that game in a comeback effort, and then they just totally demolished Atlanta. It was interesting in, into the fourth quarter, and then Mike Edwards single handedly two pick sixes back to back plays. I agree. I'm going. I'm going Tampa Bay next week. Though all these people that are starting to, and you saw it at the beginning of the year, rolling that train of oh, 20 and 0 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to get their first loss next week. Next week, I'm going to say. Wow. They're going to go to LA, and the Rams are going to end up beating them. It's going to be a big time. Well, this is by far the best defense Brady's going to go up against, and it's not even like by far. It is. Night and day, and the Dallas defense and the Colts and and the sorry and the Atlanta defense compared to the Ram, that's compared to the Rams defense that's as to seal a line for Mike Tomlin that's JV versus varsity right there and it's the best offense they're going to face this year as well mm-hmm. with the best quarterback Matt Stafford Dak Prescott might be a better quarterback than than Stafford now but it's close uh, least impressive two and O team the team that I don't buy yet is the Carolina Panthers they got a big win against the New Orleans know. Saints at home I would I'd be saying that if they didn't beat the Saints in the fashion that they did look at the other two and O teams though and you can't tell me that you know what Denver, Denver. might be the least Denver, impressive absolutely one. but to I don't be, know if I trust Darnold as much as I trust Giants, Bridgewater who they beat this they beat the Giants in Week One and they the beat Jags the, come on you gotta say it's the Broncos but I don't know though because I. 
just can't trust Sam Darnold. And I yeah, but he goes out there and and, and demolishes the New Orleans Saints, who just demolishes the, the Green Bay Packers. How good are the Packers? I mean, we just have no idea <laughs> we'll see at this against point the, against the Detroit Lions. But I just I don't know. The Panthers just seem like the frauds to me because Denver was the sexy pick for everybody in the offseason to be the lookout for them, and Carolina just. The defense isn't as good as Denver's defense in Carolina, although it's a pretty good defense, I think, in Carolina. They got a lot of weapons around Darnold. Denver's got a lot of weapons around uh, Teddy Bridgewater as well. Very close. I'll say that. They're very close teams. But I- I'll give the edge to Carolina being the least impressive 2-0 team. I-, I don't think that one lasts. I think no. De- I think Denver's got more staying power than Carolina. That's fair. But right now, through the t- first two wins, Denver is – less impressive because you're going up against because they beat teams they're supposed two, to but no but it's two oh and two teams they covered the spread in both games they did everything they're supposed to do it would be unimpressive if denver was winning by like a point in each game but they've been dominating both the games who does denver play next week let's see if that's a big test for the broncos let's see for denver and we'll see for carolina denver next week plays oh come on this is just unfair. It's the New York Jets. Okay, that's great. So they're going to win that game. Carolina plays Texans on Thursday night, so they're probably going to win that game as well. If they take care of it, I mean, Texas won their first game against Jacksonville, granted, but they kept things interesting in Houston. If Carolina can take care of business, that's fair. But We'll find out about your Broncos after the Jets game because then they go Ravens, Steelers, Raiders, Browns. So we'll find out about those Denver Broncos real, real soon. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them. They can you know easily what? start the year 3-0, and but then by week seven, be 3-4. and I'll just say this. I don't think either team make the playoff. I think both Denver and yeah. Carolina. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I think right, both Denver, I'm right there with you on that. But I'm just saying in a game-to-game perspective, I'm saying Denver Broncos less impressive to me to start 2-0 than the Carolina Panthers. Most surprising 0-2 team. Because I have more confidence in Sam Darnold, too. Most surprising 0-2 team for you has got to be the Colts, right? It's got to be the it's, New York Jets. You're surprised no, that they're 0-2. No, no, It's got to be the Indianapolis Colts. And Again, though, Carson Wentz goes down. What's the likelihood that they actually lose that game? And what a I'm tough not... start to the schedule, too. Seahawks at home, Rams at home. Now they have to go to Tennessee, who just had a big emotional win. Then they go to Miami, and then they go to Baltimore. So they have three straight road games now against tough. three teams with playoff aspirations. Uh, another shocking or, or surprising 0-2 team, probably the only one out there that's worth discussing, the Minnesota Vikings. Easily could have won that game against the Arizona Cardinals. Impressive, super impressive that they came back in that game. Kyler Murray looked like he was having a career day again. That rollout that he had, that scramble to throw to the wide-open guy, some no-name dude. I've never heard this receiver's name before yesterday. But Kyler Murray looked like, he was ball- looked like he was balling out. And then Arizona, Minnesota comes back, but Arizona pulls away. You're Vikings, Sam. You're Vikings. Well, they're doing my Vikings things. They're doing Vikings things where they lose these games but the drop of a hat. They lose by three week one against the, the Bengals. Should have won that In game. overtime. Should have won that game. And then they lose to the Cardinals in week two where they had a 37-yard field goal to win it, and he missed it to the right, which is just so Vikings for them to miss a game-winning field goal like that. I mean, this is, this is classic Minnesota with Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. This is a team that, by all accounts, looks like they're 2-0, and but they just end up being 0-2 because they, for whatever reason, just can't get that final play over the goal line or, or kick that final field goal through the uprights and, and take a can't big win. It. So 
They started off with two straight road games, could have won both of those road games. They'd be sitting at 2-0 and before the home opener, but now they're 0-2. they got to welcome Seattle, who's going to be hungry after that loss to Tennessee last week into town. What's what what's your storyline coming out of that game? The, or let's let's finish let's finish with um and then I was just going to say they got the Browns coming in after the Seahawks. So they've got two really tough games back to back now. So I think the Vikings may have shot themselves in the foot very Yeah, well. but I never expected them to win that division. No, not the division. Although again, I, don't know, I don't know what the hell Green Bay looks like. I don't know what Green Bay looks like. You though. can't convince me about a wild card spot either. I was I was not putting them in my playoff position. Moving on, though, you mentioned Seattle with a loss against Tennessee. More impressed with Tennessee's comeback or more disappointed that Seattle couldn't hang on? More disappointed that Seattle couldn't hang on. I mean, that's a team that knows how to win. Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, Mm -hmm. they they put up 30 points at home, and you had a Freddie Swain 68-yard bomb from Russell Wilson to start the fourth quarter that could have been the nail in the coffin. And what do you do? You turn back around less than one minute later and let King Henry run for 60 yards down the field for a touchdown. I mean, you got to make him at least earn it. You know what I mean? Like, you got to at least make him have a long four- to five-minute drive down the field to get points. You just can't let him have it happen in 50 seconds worth of time and, boom, 60 yards to the house. So I think a very disappointing there. But, again, this Tennessee Titans team is a lot better than we saw week one against the Arizona Cardinals. That's for damn sure. And that was very evident in this comeback against the Seahawks. It's a very dangerous offense that can explode like that. They did, and it wasn't even due to the success. A.J. Brown had a horrible game. Julio had a good game. Julio got robbed. Did you see that that call? Mm-mm. Should have been a touchdown. I don't know what the refs were thinking. Easily should have been a touchdown. We can watch it uh, once we wrap up here, and your your jaw is going to drop. Still six catches for 128, so he played no, awesome. a great game, but could have had a touchdown to boot, and which would have made – the, the outcome of the game much different if if it's Seattle now trying to come back against Tennessee rather it, the opposite way but King Henry just doing King Henry things everyone was saying wow look at how good that Arizona Cardinal defense did of a job of containing King Henry comes out the very next week on the road in, in Seattle against Bobby Wagner and company and just takes it to the house 61 yards like it's nothing slow first half too slow first a half a lot too. of those yardage came in the second I half I mean I, how much of their points came in the second half uh, majority of majority they, of them, uh, right? they only had nine points at halftime there you go all field goals all field Didn't so get... yeah all their touchdown drives came in the second half that shows the resilience of a good team and partner that with the indianapolis colts starting zero and two and having a really rough go of it for the next couple of weeks this is probably going to spell division winner for the tennessee Titans. oh yeah and this division is so trashy anyway that they could have afforded right. I mean, they could they, have even afforded should... that 0 and 2 hole if they no. fell into it. They I mean easily yes they could have. There's there should be four easy wins down the line against the Houston Texans and Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. to boot. So and they probably could sweep the uh, the Colts this year if Wentz's health is an issue. I don't know how long how serious that Wentz injury was. Even if he comes back, Jacob, come on, that guy gets hurt all the time. You you're have, right. you have yeah, to be thinking right. about that if you're Colts fans. You're right. Uh, and finally, the NFC West so far, as advertised. Nearly perfect. Nearly perfect. Really should have been perfect if the Seahawks didn't mm-hmm. blow this game. But 2-0 and for the Rams, 2-0 and for the Niners, 2-0 and for the Cardinals, and the Seahawks are 1-1. and So, like I said, 
That's been as advertised so far. That's going to be an absolute dogfight between those four teams. Best division in football. It's exactly what we thought. But the West on the AFC side, a little surprising how, how good that, that is so far. Out. With the Broncos and the Raiders out to an early lead and the Chiefs Two. already being extended an AFC loss at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens. That's right. And the Chargers also getting that loss. I picked the Dallas Cowboys in my triple take. You did not. I came out r- correct on that one. Chargers really needed to win that game because I think they, even though I went with the Cowboys, I still think the Chargers had a fighting chance, and they did. It was just Greg Zerline. We just talked about Chris Boswell making that 56-yard field goal. To, to didn't really amount to much because the Steelers lost that game, but Greg Zerline also had a 56-yard field goal to win the game as time expired. That shows resilience. They got Ezekiel Elliott involved, but, man, the Chargers really, especially after – the Chiefs lost, you're thinking to yourselves, man, we know we're probably the biggest contender to be second place in this division, and we lose at home that, that the same week that the Chiefs lose, that is not good. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving it a listen. Go to Steelers.com if you want to check out some of our older episodes, and we will be back again later this week with a fresh batch of episodes for y'all. For Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opferman. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen, and we'll talk to you on the next edition of the Steelers Standard.